0: The 100th episode live news weekly show will be on January 19th, 7pm, at the Comedy Republic in Melbourne. Tickets will be on sale soon and I'll announce it here as soon as they are. Patreon subscribers will of course get early access plus discounts. So become a subscriber by going to patreon.com slash Shah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast. Top Stories of the Week! The thing everyone kept saying would happen happened, and now everyone is reacting the exact way they were always going to. All that, and more on Newsweekly. Hello, and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Lock in your biases, news now. If you're sick of judging people based on which way they vote on voice to parliament, then now you've got a whole new way of deciding who you like and dislike. Or rather, an old way. That's right, it's Israel and Palestine again, which means instead of yes or no voters, we're now all either terrorism apologists or apartheid supporters, with no middle ground allowed. Okay, here's the thing. I'm not going to do a bunch of stuff in the story. The first thing I'm not going to do is giving you any context. Everyone on earth has already decided where they sit on this topic, and nothing that happened this week has changed that. We all have all the context we need. Either you believe that Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas, a terrorist organization that targets innocent Israeli civilians, and that the only solution left right now is for Israel to do whatever it takes to save more than 150 hostages, and given the savagery and brutality of what Hamas did, Israel is justified in waging war on an an enemy that wants all Jews dead in an act of genocide. Or you think that what Hamas did was inevitable when you have 2 million people living in an open-air prison the way Israel has in Gaza and the daily indignities and abuses and murders and, yes, terrorism inflicted by settlers and the Israeli Defence Force on Palestinians was always going to lead to this sort of violent terrorism. And now Israel responding with unprecedented bombings of Gaza, along with cutting electricity and gas and water, is collective punishment, which is also a war crime and proof that Israel Want all Palestinians dead in an act of genocide. Want some more context? Right. How's this? If you believe the Israel side, then you believe the reactions to this attack, with Palestinian supporters worldwide not even bothering to condemn Hamas before blaming it all on Israel, is proof that Palestinian supporters are all anti-Semitic, and this is further evidence of the need to protect Israel at all costs. And if you believe the Palestinian side, then you believe that the attack and the refusal of major Western governments and media outlets to condemn Israel's response and the ongoing humanitarian crisis it's created in Gaza is proof that Israeli supporters are all settler-colonialist anti-Palestinian racists and this is further evidence of the need to reclaim Palestinian territories at all costs. There, those are the two sides. Pick one and stick to it. I'm kidding, of course, you've already picked one. Everyone has. And if you think not picking a side is possible to just say that you are on the side of the civilians dying in this war, then you've also picked a side, but you have now lost the ability to decide which side that is, because everyone else will now decide it for you because you are a pro-apartheid Zionist or a pro-genocide anti-Semite. Sure, sure, you think you're being nuanced by saying Hamas isn't all Palestinians, and Gazans have only had one election in 2006 when Hamas won, and since then, informal polls have shown constant drops in support for Hamas, but Gazans lack the mean to overthrow Hamas or hold a free and fair election, plus these collective punishments inflicted by Israel just make victims of the Palestinians again and again, so of course you don't support Hamas, but you don't believe the amount of collateral damage inflicted by the IDF dropping over 6,000 bombs on a tiny strip of congested land where there are over 1 million children is good either. But guess what? Now you're an anti-Semite who believes all Jews should be wiped out and the Palestinians are justified in doing whatever they can to kill as many Israelis as possible because that's the kind of horrific monster you are. Sorry, I don't make the rules and that's just what you really believe deep down. And similarly, if your nuanced belief is that Israel exists because Jews don't have a single home in the world without it, and every step of the way, the expansion of Israel was done using the same rules as any other territorial expansion or establishment of national borders is ever done by any country, so why do Israelis have to be held to a different standards and how come Israel is an apartheid state but China isn't despite what it's doing to the Uyghurs or Pakistan isn't for what it does to Ahmadis or so many other examples of countries that are almost never brought up in the United Nations as much as Israel. And this Horrific attack was not the fault of Palestinians but of Hamas. Yes, and Hamas was indeed propped up initially by the Israeli government to counter the PLO and Netanyahu has since endangered Israeli lives by allowing settlements to continue unabated. But Israel is surrounded by enemies who want to see it wiped out. That this attack was in the end an attack targeting civilians and thus clearly terrorism. And while the scale of response is much, much larger, of course, it is no different from what any country would do in a similar situation. And in warfare, collateral damage is always an unavoidable cost. But Israel needs to show its people that it will do whatever it takes to recover its hostages and punish the hostage takers. But guess what? Now you're pro-Apartheid. Believe that Jewish lives are worth more than Palestinian lives, are clearly a Zionist racist who is no better than a Nazi, and sees all Palestinian children and families constantly killed by Israel as animals and not human, because that's the kind of horrific monster you are. Sorry, don't like it? Speak to the manager. The one thing everyone can agree on, however, is that this has been Israel's 9-11. This is Israel's uh, 9-11. This was their 9-11.
1: This is, uh, as someone said, our 9-11. And
0: this could be a 9-11 and a Pearl Harbor wrapped into one. All of those were from American news shows, proving that Americans cannot comprehend anything unless it's counted in 9-11s. 9-11 is basically a unit of measurement now, by which you can decide how upset you are as an American. But, to be fair, it is a very apt analogy. was perpetrated by Al-Qaeda, an Islamic terrorist organization that the US once helped create to use against another enemy, which then hid in Afghanistan and turned against the US using a surprise attack to commit an act of terrorism of huge scale and horror, after which the US responded with a massive bombing campaign that a lot of the Al-Qaeda leadership actually escaped using allies in foreign countries while masses of civilians died, guaranteeing the cycle of violence will continue. Similarly, this attack has been perpetrated by Hamas, an Islamic terrorist organization that the Israeli government once propped up to use against the Palestinian Authority, which then hid in Gaza and, using a surprise attack, committed an act of terrorism of huge scale and horror, after which Israel has responded with a massive bombing campaign that a lot of the Hamas leadership will actually escape because they live in foreign countries, while masses of civilians are dying, guaranteeing the cycle of violence will continue. The scale of violence, even for the Israel-Palestine conflict, is huge. The initial Hamas attack resulted in at least 1,300 dead, most of them civilians in various kibbutzim and towns. And now, as of this recording, over 1,500 have been killed in Gaza, most of them also civilians. And it's going to get much worse before it gets better which is one of those phrases which we always use to describe conflict in the Middle East, but at some point we need to drop the before it gets better part because it really never gets better. It just trends downwards on the worse axis. Things have gotten so bad that instead of focusing on the war and humanitarian crisis and support for Israeli families whose members have been taken hostage and support for Gazans, a whole day was spent by both sides arguing over whether or not Hamas had beheaded babies. It's a bizarre and grotesque story that has become the embodiment of all the issues at play here, with biases and counter biases, media critiques and political narratives, old grudges and paranoia all wrapped up in something quite horrific, which shows how insane the whole conflict has become. It started when Nicole Zedek, a visibly traumatized reporter for privately owned Israeli news outlet I 24 News, described things she had been told by IDF soldiers as she made her way through a kibbutz where families had. Had been massacred by Hamas.
2: David, it's
3: hard to even explain exactly just the mass casualties that happened right here. In fact, the Israeli military says they still don't have a clear number, but I'm talking to some of the soldiers and they say what they've witnessed as they've been walking through these different houses, these different communities uh, babies, their heads cut off. That's what they said. Gunned down, families completely gone down in their beds.
0: Now she didn't say she saw the babies, just that she had been told that's what soldiers had seen, which is responsible journalism. She even repeated that on social media that she never claimed she'd seen it, but that it was something she'd been told. By the next day, the phrase Did Hamas Kill Babies? saw the biggest increase in search interest on Google of anything related to the war. The claim became strangely more specific even, when Noah Schnapp, an actor from Stranger Things, posted the claim to his 25 million Instagram followers that 40 babies had been beheaded. Then... Counterclaims began, with anti-Israel activists demanding evidence and comparing the claim to one made by the US during the first Gulf War of Iraqi soldiers tossing babies out of incubators, which media analysts say was false but used to demonize Iraq to make the attack more justifiable. That claim had in fact been proven to be a lie made by the daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador to the United States at the time and is known as the Nayyar testimony, and used by the Bush administration to prove it needed to liberate Kuwait. So now everyone was claiming this new baby story was also a lie along the same lines to justify an invasion of Gaza, as if that wasn't going to happen without this story. And then that was countered when Joe Biden claimed he had seen evidence himself.
4: I never really thought that I would see and have
0: confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. Except... Now, according to The Washington Post, a White House spokesperson later clarified that United States officials and the president have not seen pictures or videos of beheaded children or seen reports independently confirming that. The spokesperson said that Biden based his comments about these alleged atrocities on claims from Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu's spokesperson and also media reports from within Israel. The Israel Defense Forces declined to comment to The Washington Post on the state of the victim's bodies. And then... And
5: just this morning, CNN reported that Israel cannot confirm the specific claim that babies were beheaded in a Hamas attack, according to officials
0: contradicting previous public statements. By the way, all of this when meanwhile there's lots of verified and confirmed footage of families, including babies, that were definitely killed by Hamas. So, what do we even need to focus on this added horrifying detail for? Why are pro-Palestinian supporters going, yes, but were the murdered babies beheaded? And why are pro-Israeli supporters going, yes, they even beheaded the murdered babies? If that's where the entire narrative has reached already, No wonder everyone is losing their fucking minds. Case in point, this interview between UK's Sky News and ex-Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. Uh, And what about those Palestinians in hospital who uh, are on life
5: support and babies and incubators whose uh, life support and incubator will have to be turned off because the Israelis have cut the power to Gaza?
3: Are you seriously keep on asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's, What's wrong with you? Have you not seen what happened? We're fighting Nazis. We don't target them. Now, the world can come and bring them anything they want. If you want to bring them electricity, I'm not going to feed electricity or water to my enemies. If anyone else wants, that's fine. We're not responsible well, this is, for this. This is
5: the point. But you this keep I want to tell you. No, no, I, I I you, no, man, no listen, listen. You listen no, you're to raising me. I right heard trying, you enough. No, no, I understand. We're trying to have a, a conversation you. here. Listen, this no, is my you're, program, you're, you're this is my show. And I am and asking the questions. Exactly, you're raising your voice. But it's my and I've asked you. And, and we've, people, already, people, we've already. We've already. stopped. People, please. And let me finish. We've already distinguished between you, Hamas. Minister.
3: I want to tell you. You've
5: shame you're you're, you're on you trying to speak. Over, we no, no. are
3: not. Shame on you.
5: It's nothing I'm about the, shame. I, I We're trying Prime to have minister. a conversation about a very serious situation because, here. Because, and you are refusing you to address just it. Jump
3: over immediately. And again and again.
5: Absolutely not. You are incorrect. They are
3: responsible. Because I can tell you that when the UK. Absolutely when Great not. Britain was fighting the Nazis during World War II, no one asked what's going on in Dresden. It was the Nazis targeting London, and you targeted Dresden. So listen, shame on you if you go on with that false narrative... We're not talking about that and, that.
5: and in I, I hindsight, many, okay many people... Have in and in hindsight, many people have readdressed
3: that kind of carpet uh, bombing. Of oh, oh, I see. Now you're Mr. Clean. Shame on you.
5: Absolutely not. And I'm not. Listen, Mr. Bennett, I I I am not in the military. I am a journalist asking you questions. Are you going to let me ask you a question or you continue shouting at me? We've already distinguished between Hamas and the Palestinians. I'm asking you very directly, very directly. What do you want to ask? What is going to be done to make sure that those innocent people
0: don't get killed as innocent Jewish people were killed on Saturday? That clip is being shared by both sides as proof of the righteousness of their argument. Even in Australia, where up until now we were having a nuanced debate about the voice, calling each other racist for supporting no and virtue signalers for supporting yes, the Israel-Palestine debate quickly degenerated. It began with the New South Wales government projecting the Israeli flag onto the Sydney Opera House. And where there's an Israeli flag, there's sure to be angry Palestine supporters. So, sure enough, Australian journalists were confronted with the most alliterative headline news. Hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters
1: have rallied outside Sydney Opera House,
0: some lighting flares as others chanted and waved Palestinian flags. That's all harmless enough, a few flares and a protest. Although I'm not sure what they were protesting, given that the Hamas attack was still ongoing at the time, Israel had barely begun to recover some Hamas-captured area, and the entire death toll was still on the Israeli civilian side. Still, just because you're pro-Palestinian doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic.
2: Anti-Semitism on the steps of an Australian landmark.
0: Well, never mind in the last few days there have been several anti-semitic attacks against the jewish community in australia with jewish students being told not to wear any outward displays of their identity when in public spaces and to avoid the sydney cbd when another rally is planned over the weekend meanwhile the australian government is reacting to this in a way that confirms everyone's biases
6: Well, Peter Dutton has also doubled down, Pete, on his call to tear up visas of anyone who was at that protest at the Sydney Opera House earlier in the week, if they are in fact visa holders. The Prime Minister replied within minutes and he says if Peter Dutton has any information that there were temporary visa holders there, he should pass that information on to the authorities.
0: I don't know why Peter Dutton always assumes anyone doing anything bad if they're Muslim, aren't citizens already. Does he think Muslims can't be citizens? Or maybe he just thinks Australian citizens aren't capable of bigotry despite owning several mirrors? Israeli ground forces have yet to enter Gaza, still relying on the Israeli patented technique of aerial bombing combined with white phosphorus and massive collateral damage to lay the groundwork for the inevitable invasion. Meanwhile, a lot of fingers have been pointed at Iran, which has been blamed for being the mastermind behind Hamas, an allegation that Iran has rejected on the grounds that Hamas is perfectly capable of committing human rights atrocities that sacrifice innocent Palestinians to further unachievable goals on its own. The one thing, however, that everyone does agree on, from Gaza to Jerusalem to Tehran, but definitely everyone in Israel except for Benjamin Netanyahu, is that this was Benjamin Netanyahu's fault.
6: Egyptian intelligence officials claim that Jerusalem allegedly ignored repeated warnings that Hamas was planning an attack on Israel, including an alleged direct notice from Cairo's intelligence minister to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu.
0: You know, what we don't really know is to what extent have the divisions within Israel contributed to this failure. Because, you know, as everybody is aware, um, Netanyahu's far-right government has been, um, you know, not only rapidly expanding settlements um, in the West Bank, but they've been attacking the independence of Is- Israel's judiciary, you know, really undermining the checks and balances of a democracy. This has led to massive protests in Israel, really unprecedented protests, um, real divisions within the society. You know, did that contribute? To the intelligence failure here? You know, we don't know yet. There there will clearly be inquiries. Most Israelis aren't waiting until those inquiries lay the blame, with polls showing 82% blame him personally for the security failings, and 56% saying he should resign after the war. Analysts expect Netanyahu to respond to the criticisms by winning another election and doing more of what he's doing, because it's basically how he's responded to every criticism so far. In fact, the only arguably good decision Netanyahu has made so far is to not appoint his defence minister with an enthusiasm for genocide, Ben Gavir, to his war cabinet.
1: Now, there is slightly more to this uh, than meets the eye. The settlers are actually led by a man called Itamar Ben Gavir. Itamar Ben Gavir is a national defence minister. I've been speaking to uh, sources, Israeli sources and EU diplomatic sources who tell me that he's absolutely furious, that he's not part of the war cabinet. He wants the settlers to actually start mounting more attacks and get those attacks on a larger scale. The only thing stopping him is the Israeli army who tell him they can't open another front here in the occupied West Bank. Remember, there's only 12,000 Israeli soldiers here. They have to control 3.2 million Palestinians and defend 450,000 Israeli settlers. If the Israeli settlers decide that they are going en masse to attack Palestinians, then that does open up a new frontier. And that's a real concern uh, from both sources within Israel and the international diplomatic
0: community. Maybe if your minister of national security is the guy you don't turn to in a time when national security is threatened, it shows you never needed him for that, and probably shouldn't have aligned with him in the first place. Israelis, it seems, are in agreement and promise to only elect Netanyahu to office a few more times. Even Trump doesn't like Netanyahu, at least not as much as he seems to like Hezbollah?
4: You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. The press doesn't like when they say But Hezbollah, they're very smart. I'll never forget that bb netanyahu let us down that was a very terrible thing i will say that they've got to straighten it out because they're fighting potentially a very big force they're fighting potentially iran and when they have people saying the wrong things everything they say is being digested by these people because they're vicious and they're smart and boy are they vicious because nobody's ever seen the kind of sight that we've seen But they cannot play games, so we were disappointed by that. Very disappointed, but we did the job ourselves, and it was absolute precision, magnificent, beautiful job. And then uh, Bibi tried to take credit for it. That wasn't good. That didn't make me feel too good, but that's all right. So they got to strengthen themselves up. And they said, gee, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack from the north because that's the most vulnerable spot. I said, wait a minute. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. The press doesn't like when they say it. You know, I said that President Xi of China, 1.4 billion people, he controls it with an iron fist. I said, he's a very smart man. They killed me the next day, I said he was smart. What am I gonna say? But Hezbollah, they're very smart. And they have a national defense minister or somebody saying, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack us from the north. So the following morning they attacked. They might not have been doing it, but if you listen to this jerk, you would attack from the north, because he said that's our weak spot. But Hezbollah, they
0: were smart. Meanwhile, the ground invasion of Gaza, which used to be an open-air prison and is now an open-air intensive care unit and mass graveyard, is imminent.
2: We start with breaking news on the Israel-Gaza war. The Israeli military has said that more than a million Palestinians must leave the northern Gaza Strip within the next 24 hours ahead of an expected ground operation there. In response, the UN spokesman Stéphane Doudéric said the United Nations considers it impossible for such a movement to take place without devastating humanitarian consequences. The United Nations strongly appeals for any such order if confirmed to be rescinded, avoiding what could transform what is already a tragedy into a calamitous situation. Well, that statement has sparked an angry reaction from Israel. The country's ambassador to the United Nations said Israel is just trying to minimize harm to Gazans. For many years, the UN has turned a blind eye to the arming of Hamas and the use of the civilian population, the response says, and civilian infrastructure in the Gaza Strip as a hiding place for weapons and murder.
0: Which means Palestinians and Israelis will continue to die in the coming days and weeks, and let's be honest, probably decades. And right now, based on which side you support, you think me saying that makes me either an apartheid-loving Zionist or a terrorism-loving anti-Semite. Losing our voice news now. This episode of News Weekly is being released on the same day as most Australians will cast their vote on the voice-to-parliament referendum, so you listening to this might already know the outcome that I, while making this, do not. I mean, I kind of do? Polls say yes will lose by high single digits, but the actual loss is likely to be even higher. I mean, the optimist in me still hopes for a miracle, but that's literally what it'll take at this point, a miracle. The one relief will be an end to the campaign. So far, we've seen everything from no-voters being called Nazis to yes-voters being called part of a conspiracy for Aboriginal people to steal your homes. It saw some of the worst examples of Australian journalism, Australian political opportunism and Australian racism all being put on display, and literally none of it was surprising. The perfect example is this ABC report on early voting in Tasmania, where the young lesbian couple voted yes.
6: I'm voting yes. I'm also voting yes.
0: And this old white man voted no.
6: Why did you vote no?
0: Because I think uh, one group shouldn't have more power than another group in the community. If you think there was ever a chance of either of those votes ever going differently, you might be qualified to join the Labour Party. Whatever the result, however, there is time for the Australian Electoral Commission to once again remind Australians that voting is literally just writing a word on a piece of paper, yet somehow that's still too complicated for the general public.
5: What happens? OK, they walk into the polling booth, they get given their ballot paper asking the question, how do they cast their vote? Great question, Michael. And on the ballot paper there are instructions uh, and the instructions will say, vote either yes or no, or no or yes, just to deal with the conspiracy theory, Michael. Um, Then take that and put that in the ballot box exactly as you're directed to do. And the last thing that happens when you're given that ballot paper is that an AEC staff member will tell you to write either yes or no in that
0: ballot box, in full, uh, in English. And if you want your vote to count, I urge you to do just that. That's it. That's all you have to do. Write yes, Y-E-S, or write no. N-O. If you write no, then the voice Parliament doesn't get up. Things stay exactly the same way they are right now, and you can proudly look in the mirror and say, I hate change. And if you write yes, then UN soldiers will charge into your house, throw you out of it and hand it over to Indigenous activists. At least according to former Neighbours actor Nicola Charles, who is now my only reliable source of accurate news.
6: When the UN soldiers, peacekeepers, police, acting on behalf of the Aboriginal tribes, turn up and take ownership and jurisdiction over your property, they'll have it. Because you said yes.
0: Nicola Charles there, describing what will happen if the Yes campaign wins and proving she's the worst thing to come out of Neighbours since Bridget Parker. I have no idea who that is. I had to Google worst Neighbours characters for this joke. (music) Remembering Cal Wilson news now. As some of you might know, Cal Wilson, an Australian comedian and television superstar and a dear friend of mine, died very recently as a result of a very aggressive cancer. She leaves behind a teenage son and her husband and a massive grieving comedy community here in Australia. Cal and I gigged a lot. We gigged for hundreds and hundreds of gigs together and I always assumed that she's someone I would see at gigs until we both grew old and retired or were forced out of comedy because young TikTokers had taken over the entire genre. But sometimes life has other plans last time I saw Cal was at a comedy show in Melbourne we both shared the stage together and got to be silly on stage and to be honest I think that's the perfect goodbye from one comedian to another uh, I'm glad I got to share the stage with her that one time as well as all the other times I got to spend with her um, I was looking through my archives and I found a clip that I thought I'd put over here and share with you right now Back in 2020, at the height of the big lockdown here in Melbourne, I had the idea to maybe restart an old podcast I used to do called Laughing Dead. And in that, I used to talk to comedians about their worst gigs ever. Um, the first episode I ever recorded was recorded over Zoom with a very generous Cal um, and Kirsty Webeck, who's another dear friend of mine and a very close friend of Cal's. And if you do know Kirsty, please give her a hug when you see her, and maybe maybe without maybe not without her consent, of course. And um, they were telling me their worst gigs. The whole episode, I'm still, I'm still not sure if I'll ever release the whole episode. Um, kirsty has got a great story about being held up by a crossbow-wielding drug addict at a bush doof. Uh, but, you know, I'll let her tell that story herself one day. Uh, but this is Cal's contribution to the podcast. Uh, so this is Cal Wilson describing the worst comedy gig she'd ever been a part of. Um, and in the background, you can hear me and Kirstie back laughing.
6: It was a. It was in Auckland this time. We were doing a character mingle where you go around in character and mingle with people, mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes the most humiliating experience. Sometimes it's really fun, and other times you're just like, I don't want yep. to be alive anymore. <laughs> uh, so we go. We go to this gig. I think it's for like some kind of builders company or something like that. We're in a tent, and we I'm for some reason I'm a Scottish child. Uh, I've got a. I'm dressed in a kilt. Um, I've got my hair in pigtails. I've got a a stuffed ferret as a sporin for some reason like i've gone i've gone to a lot of trouble uh and i'm t- trying to like talk in character to people and usually i'm pretty good at it and i get laughs and stuff and everyone is just ignoring me and then at one point a guy just pours a beer over the top of my head no and i turn around and go what is your fucking problem like i just lost it i was like what's your problem and another guy goes we all just got told we were made redundant before you got here it was their Christmas party, and they'd been told at their Christmas party oh. that none of them had any jobs anymore. And then they'd got us to come in and enlighten the tone.
4: Wow. Oh, no.
6: Yeah.
0: That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Like I said, the live News Weekly show will be on January 19th at Comedy Republic at 7pm. Tickets are not available right now. As soon as they are available, um, I will announce them, of course, right here, as well as on Patreon.com slash Samisha and all my socials, etc, etc bring your friends, tell everyone, lock it in your calendar right now. That would be amazing. In the meantime, uh, please go over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a good review for the podcast. It really helps with the algorithm and all of that, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means, to be very honest. Um, Otherwise, I will see you right back here on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.